from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Falling in love is the best feeling in the world. You see stars, you feel giddy, but sometimes that makes you do crazy things, and sometimes that means murder. Just because a story starts out with Once Upon a Time doesn't mean it ends happily ever after. Welcome to Crazy in Love, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. Today's guests are true crime producer Jeff Shane and journalist and podcast host Connor Powell. Connor is a journalist and podcast host whose latest podcast is Lords of Soccer, How FIFA Stole the Beautiful Game and the Largest Corruption Scandal in the World. He's also host of KT Studios' upcoming podcast, Death Island. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor M. Powell. Episode 46, The Case of the Overachiever, The Tiger Parents, and The Deadly Double Life. Bick and Han Pan were a perfect example of the American dream. Both had immigrated to Toronto from Vietnam in the late 1970s. They found work at a car manufacturing company and got married in a small ceremony in 1986. Soon after, they had a daughter, Jennifer, and three years later, a son, Felix. By 2004, the Pans had saved enough to buy a large home with a two-car garage on a quiet residential street in Markham. Markham is an upscale suburb around 30 minutes outside of Toronto. Mr. Pan drove a Mercedes and Mrs. Pan drove a Lexus. While the money, house, and cars were nice, the Pan's greatest achievement was their children, especially their daughter Jennifer. 
A social butterfly with a distinctive, high-pitched laugh, Jennifer could seamlessly float between different social circles at school. Standing at five foot seven, classmates considered her, quote, pretty but plain. She rarely wore makeup and never took off her round, wireframe glasses. After receiving straight A's in high school, per her father's decision, Jennifer attended an elite college to study medicine. Although he hoped she'd be a doctor, Mr. Pan decided Jennifer didn't have the stomach for it. He urged her instead to be a pharmacist. After receiving her bachelor's, Jennifer began attending a prestigious pharmacy program in Toronto. She also spent her time volunteering at a hospital. She was truly the daughter her parents dreamed she would be. Here's Jeff. Jennifer was really committed from a young age to lots of activities and extracurriculars. She started piano lessons at the age of four. She also became a world-class figure skater. And her sights were set on the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. And things were going well until she tore a ligament in her knee, which basically shattered her dreams. But that didn't stop her from continuing to practice. Some nights in elementary school, Jennifer would come home from skating practice at 10 p.m., do homework till around midnight, and then head to bed. And remember, elementary school, she's what, you know, 10 to 12 years old? And she was a good student. She expected to be named valedictorian of her middle school. And when she didn't get it, she was both shocked and confused. But instead of talking about her heartbreak, she told everyone she was okay. It's something she later referred to as her happy mask. Connor, what do you make of this overwhelming pressure that not only Jennifer's parents put on her, but it sounds like she put on herself a little bit? Yeah, I think anytime you're talking about wanting to be the valedictorian in middle school and also trying to compete for Winter Olympics and ice skating, you're talking about a pressure-filled young life. And I think that's what you see about her story from an early age. I mean, she was just in this cauldron of pressure, both probably academically, uh, athletically, and then also I'm, I'm sure her own background, culturally, there was a lot of pressure to sort of be the, the daughter they wanted her to be, both as uh, a student, as an athlete, but also as a young Vietnamese girl. We did a little bit of research and found that 61% of American middle schoolers feel pressure to get good grades, and 21% of those students also feel the pressure to get involved in extracurricular activities, and another 21% of those students feel the pressure to be good at sports. So there definitely is some pressure, but it sounds a little bit like Jennifer was in the minority in the sense that she was feeling pressure kind of in every facet of her life, not just getting good grades, but also being good at sports and being involved in kind of things outside of the day-to-day of school. All kids put pressure on themselves to do well. Parents put pressure on their kids to learn and to be athletic and, you know, not just to have fun. But I think anytime you start talking about Olympic dreams, that's just a whole nother level of pressure for any young girl, particularly one that's, you know, in middle school. Yeah, Connor, you host a podcast uh, in the sports world, kind of about the pressures probably some athletes face. Can you tell us about that and how that might relate to this story? Yeah, the Lords of Soccer podcast is all about uh, the corruption within FIFA. And one of the things that we see in global soccer that FIFA has sort of lorded over, you know, this entire program of building uh, national teams to compete for a World Cup championship is that countries like Qatar, which is going to host the upcoming World Cup, in a few months, you know, they were literally spending millions of dollars going around the world, particularly in Africa, looking for the next big soccer player, the next big thing that they could both market and then also bring home uh, to play for Qatar's national team. 
And I mean, they were going through like hundreds of thousands of kids every year auditioning these kids. And so you see this type of pressure from an early age, not only in Olympic sports like figure skating, but also in other sports, whether it's, you know, baseball, football, but particularly in global soccer. And that's a part of what we talk about, um, the way FIFA has responded to this, that, uh, you know, they, they essentially oversee the system that they don't really care, that they don't really care what happens to these young kids. Right. I think people forget when they're fans of the sport that it's ultimately just a machine made to make money, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, um, you know, there's an old saying that sports shouldn't be covered like politics or uh, the financial industry. But the reality is, is like sports is a financial juggernaut. It is the people who run these sports. They run it to make money. And so there's a lot of pressure on kids and then teenagers and then young adults to perform at these incredible levels. And, you know, the amount of money we're talking about in the World Cup with FIFA or in the Olympics. I mean, you're talking about huge amounts of money. And unfortunately, with that comes a lot of pressure. Despite her parents' strict no boys rule, Jennifer couldn't help but fall in love. In 2003, during her junior year of high school, Jennifer went on a band trip to Europe. After a performance in a concert half filled with smokers, Jennifer suffered an asthma attack. She started panicking and was led outside to the tour bus and almost blacked out. It was then a trumpet player, Daniel Wong, gently held her shoulder. He told her to take deep breaths. Daniel missed the rest of the show to make sure she was okay. He pretty much saved my life, she later said. It meant everything. Daniel was a senior. He was goofy and extroverted, the opposite of Jennifer. He had a big laugh, a wide smile, and a little belly. Jennifer thought it was cute. The pair started dating the summer after her junior year, but her parents were none the wiser. Here's Connor. Now, Jennifer and Daniel dated in secret for years. As she got older, Jennifer would make up elaborate lies to tell her parents so that she could go and see Daniel, like she was sleeping at a classmate's house closer to school. It's actually not that uncommon to do what Jennifer did. Based on our research, about one in five people worldwide have a secret lover. I think the difference, of course, is that she's a teenager at this point, uh, and a secret lover when you're an adult uh, is a very different thing. But she obviously was keeping the secret not only from her family, but presumably probably from a lot of other people as well. Yeah, Connor, and this secret lasted for years. By the time Jennifer was 24, after years of living this double life, Daniel grew tired of the relationship dynamics. He was sick of Jennifer being terrified that her parents would find something out about their relationship. He told her to figure out her life and broke up with her. And understandably, Jennifer was heartbroken. I mean, this was her first love and she had these parents who she didn't really connect with. I think she felt very shell-shocked by this ending of the relationship. And what made matters even worse is shortly thereafter, she learned that Daniel was seeing a girl named Christine. After finding out about Christine, Jennifer came to Daniel with a somewhat alarming story. She told him that a man had knocked on her door and flashed what looked like a police badge. When she opened the door, a group of men then rushed in and gang raped her in her home. Then, a few days later, she said she received a bullet in an envelope in her mailbox. She was terrified, understandably so, and what she told Daniel is that she thought both instances she suspected were warnings from Christine to leave Daniel alone. Daniel didn't believe Jennifer, but it did get the two of them talking and they got back together. I mean, that sounds like a crazy, desperate move to get your ex back to 
if this didn't happen to make up a story that severe. Yeah, I mean, if it didn't happen, it, that is an incredible story to tell to get somebody to talk to you. I, I think the other thing that's so striking about Jennifer is that um, even at age 24, she was lying to her parents about a relationship, which you would think at some point, even you know, as she got older, that she'd be willing to share with her parents that she was in a relationship. And why she isn't willing to do that, I think, is something that it, it sends alarm bells about what type of life Jennifer is leading at this point. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know the ins and outs of the pan hassle, but I wonder if the pressure was from her parents or from Jennifer herself. Like, would they have been understanding if she just told them the truth? Yeah, and the question is, is was she embarrassed to tell her parents at age 24 that she was in a relationship or was she embarrassed to tell her parents at that age that she was in a relationship with this Daniel guy? And what was it about him that maybe she was afraid to show her parents who he was or to tell her parents who he was? We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. On November 8th, 2010, Jennifer sat in her bedroom watching Gossip Girl and John and Kate plus eight. Mr. Pan was downstairs watching the news. Mrs. Pan went out to line dance with a friend and by 9.30 p.m., everyone was home. At 10.05, three armed men entered the house through the front door. Both Mr. and Mrs. Pan were brought downstairs at gunpoint. The men were demanding money. 
Jennifer was tied up with a shoelace and dragged from room to room as the men looked for valuables. Desperate and scared, Jennifer gave the men $2,500 in cash she saved from piano lessons. She also gave them an additional $1,100 from her mother's nightstand. But this was not enough. The men grew angry. They dragged Jennifer upstairs and tied her to a banister. Her parents begged the men not to harm their daughter. Mr. and Mrs. Pan were then brought to the basement and covered with a blanket. The assailant shot Mr. Pan twice, once in the shoulder and then in the face. They shot Mrs. Pan three times in the head. 18 minutes after coming inside, the three men ran out the front door. Tied up upstairs, Jennifer was able to pull out her cell phone and call 911. Take a listen to a portion of the call. So yeah, that 911 call is pretty alarming and disturbing. But despite that, police immediately thought the scene looked off. First off, the keys to Mr. Pan's Lexus were in plain view by the front door. If this were indeed a home invasion, the detectives wondered why the intruders didn't take the car. They also didn't take either Mr. or Mrs. Pan's wallets. And most bizarre, why would they leave Jennifer, a witness, alive? Another question they had was how did Jennifer call 911 if she was in fact tied up? Not surprisingly, the police had that question as well, that very same question. Back at the police station, after this all happened, Jennifer was asked by the police to act out, to prove that she could wiggle her hands free and then call 911. And she was actually able to show them how she wiggled her hands free and got her phone and then was able to call 911. So it sounds like she had to kind of do this acting out to prove that she, in fact, was a victim of this crime. You know, she was either able to do this because it's actually what happened, or she was able to do it because she had practiced and possibly set this up as well. I think that's the thing that the police are trying to find out when they're asking a potential victim to show how they escaped is there's a little bit of suspicion there about whether or not this story that she's telling the police is credible. And yeah, Connor, I mean, you're an investigative reporter. How often do you think police look at everyone involved. I mean, on the outside, Jennifer would look like a victim, but they have to kind of look at every single person who is in this house as, you know, they might, she might have information that she doesn't even know she has. Yeah, I think police generally first go to what is the easiest explanation. Uh, the easiest explanation is not usually that a suburban house is attacked by a bunch of random people and that one of the victims is able to wiggle their hands free and call 911. That maybe happens in movies, but it doesn't often happen in real life. And so I think 
it's not surprising that police were a little bit suspicious as they're trying to figure out. I think the fact that the car keys were left on the table sends alarm bells to investigators as well. And I'm sure there were other things about the scene that were off. And, and so not surprisingly, you know, they immediately want to identify who in this scene could be telling the truth and who in the scene could be lying. In a stroke of good news, Mr. Pan survived the attack. Sadly, though, he remained in a medically induced coma. Without any evidence to go off, police reviewed the 911 call and noticed something odd. As Jennifer is talking to dispatchers, Mr. Pan screams for help and runs out the front door, all while Jennifer is calling out to him. Police wondered what kind of father would leave their daughter tied up so he could get help. Police decided to track Jennifer and to see if she led them anywhere. While she didn't go anywhere suspicious, her behavior was abnormal. At her mother's funeral, she didn't seem upset, shedding not a single tear. Jeff, what do you make of that? It seems really strange, right? Yeah, it's really hard to judge someone, I think, when they're going through something. Everyone grieves differently, as we know. But having covered a fair amount of true crime, the police definitely are looking at everyone involved and how they're reacting to certain things. And whether we like it or not, the detectives probably have a lens of how they think the victim's daughter should be acting. Yeah, I mean, you can't judge how people are going to react to trauma. That's like such a key point that people react differently. I do think that that reaction with some of the other questions about the scene and the getting her arms free and what else is going on, that probably does start to raise alarm bells for investigators. Her behavior after the murders is at best circumstantial evidence. Is that something that you think detectives would find credible? Can they use that in court? Like, what is your opinion about that? I think if they aren't able to find any evidence that there was a gang of people or that there was a a motive behind this gang coming into this house, you know, investigators are probably looking at all of these other pieces of evidence. The behavior is sort of, okay, well, how do we, how do we explain the scene that we've come across? And so, you know, the behavior, the, the keen on her travels where she's going her behavior you know it it sounds as if investigators didn't believe the story that she was telling them ultimately what detectives are trying to do is help prosecutors eventually build a case and what is essentially a narrative about what they believe happened in this crime and her behavior following the murders if they believe she's a suspect then that just lends itself to the narrative of She's not a grieving daughter. She didn't cry at the funeral. And that all that behavior can be presented to the jurors. Whether or not they decide to believe it is a different question. Yeah, I mean, prosecutors are looking for facts, but they're also looking for a motive. And, and often motives are emotional. And so if the facts point to something about this uh, murder and this attempted murder uh, that doesn't quite add up. And then you also have this sort of motive and you have the lack of emotion. That is all tools that prosecutors can use to get a conviction in front of a jury. 
Four days after the attack, Mr. Pan woke up from his coma and wanted to talk to the police immediately. He had a very different story to tell. According to Mr. Pan, the night of the shooting, he saw Jennifer come downstairs, not tied up. She was talking to the shooters in a friendly manner. But that's not all. He also told police he had recently discovered his superstar daughter was actually a fraud, a total fraud. Remember how Jennifer had been a straight-A student and gone to a great college and was currently studying in a pharmacy program? None of that was true. Jennifer had forged all of her high school report cards. She had never even graduated from high school. She'd faked her diplomas, her transcripts. She told her parents about classmates and teachers and classes, all of which were made up. She bought textbooks and wrote copious notes, all for show. It gets worse than that. Instead of going to class every day, she would get on the bus and go to public libraries writing her fake notes. She also got a part-time job tending bar, something her parents had no clue about. She convinced her dad to let her move in with a friend part-time to be closer to campus, but she was actually living with her secret boyfriend, Daniel. And when it came time to graduate, Jennifer told her parents that the extra large class size meant there weren't enough seats, so graduating students were only allowed one guest. She said she didn't want her parents to feel left out, so she gave her ticket to a friend. I guess the question is, why lie? And why lie to such an extensive degree? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, there's this concept, this idea that of tiger parenting. And tiger parenting is this strict form of parenting where parents are highly invested in ensuring their children's success. Specifically, tiger parents push their children to attain high levels of academic achievement or success. And in one survey, 28% of Asian parents report being tiger parents. Studies have also shown that it doesn't actually create successful students, but just the opposite. How did her parents discover this lie? Well, Connor, it was all going smoothly until Jennifer told her parents that she was volunteering at a hospital, which meant late nights and weekend shifts, an excuse she made up to see her boyfriend, Daniel. Her dad, Mr. Pan, was suspicious as she had no badge or uniform that would indicate she was in fact working or volunteering at this hospital. So one night her parents followed her to what they thought was the hospital, but she didn't end up going there. They then called her roommate who she was supposedly living with and that roommate fessed up to the lie. Mr. Pan was furious. He basically locked her up at home. He didn't allow her to use a cell phone or car. She could only leave the house to teach piano and he would track the mileage on the car to ensure that she was doing just that. To me, that punishment sounds severe for a teenager, let alone a 24-year-old woman. I mean, she's a full-grown adult, and they're treating her like she's a child. Yes, of course she lied to them, and that's horrible, but I don't know if the punishment fits the crime in this scenario. Yeah, there definitely feels like there's more going on in this family you know, than meets the eye. It, that locking her up as a teenager you can sort of understand that response, but she's 24, she's working, she has a boyfriend. I mean, these are all normal things that you would expect a 24-year-old to do as a parent. And obviously you don't like that your child's lying to you, but locking her up seems extreme. Let's stop here for another break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. With all this information, police brought Jennifer back in for a nine-hour interrogation. This time, she had a new story. She had, in fact, hired hitmen to break into her home, but not to kill her parents. Jennifer had hired them to kill herself. Why, they asked. Jennifer told them she, quote, didn't want to be here anymore. Take a listen to some of her interrogation. When he came to your, your room, yeah. what discussions did you have with the guy that came to your room? The real discussions you had, not what you told us. Where was the money? And I showed him where the money was. Okay. But he obviously said, I'm here to do what you asked. He never said anything like that. What did he say? He just like hands behind your back. Did he discuss ways with you how he would do it? No. Did you request any way for him to do it? make sure no one else goes around. Okay. Why didn't they do it the way you wanted? I don't know. I asked them. I asked them to take me and my mom when they took them away. It doesn't seem to make sense. I know. It doesn't make sense to me. So what Jennifer is describing is known as suicide by proxy. And suicide by proxy is where a suicidal person uses another person to kill them, effectively committing suicide at the hands of someone else. It's more common with people who entice a police officer to shoot them 
But in this case, Jennifer allegedly hired a hitman to kill herself. And suicide is a serious and sadly common act. Nearly 800,000 people die by suicide in the world each year, which is roughly one death every 40 seconds. And suicide is also the second leading cause of death in the world for those aged 15 to 24, like Jennifer. Yeah, it's really tragic. And as Jennifer's interrogation went on, she explained to the police what went wrong. She said that she had planned to pay the hitman $10,000, but at the last minute she had a change of heart. But the hitman still wanted $10,000. She couldn't pay it, so they showed up and killed her parents instead. I mean, if that's true, that is so tragic and sad. Shocked by her story, police brought in Jennifer's boyfriend, Daniel, for questioning. It seemed the couple hadn't lined up their stories because he had a very different version of events. Daniel told detectives that Jennifer did indeed want her parents dead, and he had helped connect her with hitmen. Daniel had started dealing drugs and met them through that. When he mentioned that to Jennifer, it seemed like the perfect solution to her. Jennifer hoped with her parents out of the picture, she could collect her $500,000 portion of their estate and live happily ever after with Daniel. Daniel bought her a burner phone, which she sent hundreds of texts to the hitman from. She ended up throwing out the SIM card, but not the phone, which unbeknownst to her still had the text. So the police ended up getting tons of evidence against her from this burner phone. At the trial, Jennifer appeared virtually cheerful, impishly picking lint off her lawyer's clothes. Despite this good nature, Jennifer, Daniel, and the three hitmen were all found guilty on multiple charges, including murder. They won't be eligible for parole for at least 25 years. Before her sentencing, Jennifer's father made a final statement to the court. Quote, When I lost my wife, I lost my daughter at the same time, he said. I don't feel like I have a family anymore. Some say I should feel lucky to be alive, but I feel like I am dead too. Because of a no contact order made by the judge, it would be the last thing Jennifer would ever hear her father say. Connor, where can listeners find more of your work and follow you on social media? The current podcast right now that is out is The Lords of Soccer, How FIFA Stole the Beautiful Game. That's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. It tells the history of FIFA's corruption, um, but also its history of sexism and racism. And we try to explain why this winner will be watching the World Cup in Qatar as opposed to what we should have been doing, which was watching the World Cup this past summer in Qatar and how FIFA's corruption uh, led to that just uh, strange scheduling of events. And we're really excited that uh, Death Island's coming out this fall as well. I think if you are a fan of true crime, both the Lords of Soccer and Death Island are going to be ones that you really want to listen to and check out. Yeah, Connor, it sounds like Lords of Soccer is not so much a sports podcast, but really a true crime podcast. Yeah, definitely. You're talking about corruption. You're talking about a whole host of, unfortunately, deaths that have led up to the Qatar World Cup. Of more than 6,000 people have been killed in building this World Cup infrastructure. And it's very much a true crime podcast. And I think anyone who likes true crime will want to check out the Lords of Soccer. Shameless plug. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, leave us a review. And listen to season three of our hit series, The Piketon Massacre. Episodes air every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, 
Chris Graves, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Stay safe, lovers. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. What if we told you about a major breakthrough on awesome savings on all-inclusive beach vacays? OMG, this could break the case. Case? I'm talking about CheapCaribbean.com. It's full of hot savings. At CheapCaribbean.com, score an extra $175 off site-wide on vacations of four nights or more now through June 3rd. Swim up bar in Punta Cana or dip your toes in the sand on the shores of Cancun. We gotta take this show on the road. Start at CheapCaribbean.com.